0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. The Acts of the Apostle chapter 4. And we'll begin reading at verse 1. All the way to about verse 31. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word, the word, believed. And the number of the men who came to be about five thousand, and it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, that the that their rulers, elders and scribes, as well as Anna, Annas, the high priest Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priests, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them uh, set them in the midst, they asked them, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them rulers of the people and elders of Israel if this day we are I'm sorry if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead by him this man stands here before you whole this is the stone which was rejected by you, builders, which has become the chief corner cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men they marveled that they, and, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man, and seeing the man uh, that had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So that it so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that through that from from now on they speak uh, to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge for we cannot but speak the things which which we have seen and heard so when they had further threatened them they let them go finding no way of punishing because the people because of the people since they all glorified god for what had been done for the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed and being let go they went on their own way uh, and being let go, they went to their own companion and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. So when they heard that, they raised their voices with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have, have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against His Christ, the Anointed. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the, and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before, before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that we... With all boldness, uh, with all boldness, they may speak your words by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. May the Lord. Bless the reading of His Word. And so we find ourselves this morning in Acts chapter 4. The second half of a story that began in Acts chapter 3. Now it's been a while since we've been in the book of Acts. Probably about a month. Now if you recall in Acts chapter 3, we're introduced to a lame man. A man that was lame from birth. His legs were crippled. A man who was brought to the temple to the gate of the temple. And he would lie at this gate asking for pennies, asking for alms from all those who would come to the temple to pray. And all those people who who came to that temple daily and the priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw this man every single day. But you see, John and Peter were going to the temple that day. And they were... Met with this man. And we, we read those, fam- those famous words, those, that verse, which is actually a song. Peter turns to this man and says, Look at me. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I do give. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, and Luke, the physician, the author of this epistle, of this book, very intricately describes what happens to this man. This man who had crippled legs, legs that were useless, that were cumbersome, nothing but a burden to this individual. They just got in the way. They were useless. Nothing but skin and bones, stiff, brittle legs. Luke would describe as the strength returned to his ankles and knees. Those skinny little legs that had no muscle, the joints which were stiff, it would not bend, would not straighten. All of a sudden we loosened and the muscle grew and this man was healed. And he stood up for the first time in his life. And we read that he praised the Lord. Jumping. And a great miracle was done that day. And the people gathered together there in that porch of the temple and they marveled. We know this man. This man sat at those steps. For 40 years what a marvelous thing what a marvelous thing that Peter and John could do such a thing they thought you know Peter and John being filled with the Holy Spirit sought the opportunity to set the record straight they said to them it's not by my power it's not by my godliness that this this man was made whole but it was through the God of Abraham the God of Jacob The God of Isaac, through his servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you denied. The just one, whom you rejected. The one who you denied for a murderer. It is in his name in which he is made whole. Not by their strength, not by their holiness, not by their godliness, but but in the name of Jesus Christ and him. And in His resurrection. And so we find Peter and John preaching to the crowds, preaching to the people. Jesus Christ in Jesus, the resurrection. And so we come across the the, the religious leaders of the day. We read here, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees. You know, three groups of leaders. The priest... The religious leaders of the day, the captains of the temple, the Roman political government, and the Sadducees, the law keepers, the scribes. And it says that they were greatly disturbed. Why were they disturbed? They were disturbed because Peter and John were preaching Jesus Christ in him the resurrection. Well, why is that such a disturbing thing to them? Well, number one, to the priest. You know, to the priest, they believed in the resurrection. That wasn't an issue. We read of the priest that they believed in one general resurrection at the end of of, of time. So it wasn't the resurrection that was a problem. It was Jesus that was a problem, wasn't it? For they plotted and succeeded to kill the Messiah, the anointed. And then the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees, they were the the, the intellects of the day, the, the the liberal religious leaders of the day. Oh well, they said, "Listen, we're we're logical people. We're logical men and women. I, we believe in the, in the Pentateuch. We believe in the, in the laws and the rituals and the festivals that we find in the law. But don't talk to me about resurrection. The end is death." Don't talk to me about angels and spirits. That's just a bunch of myth. That's just silly. But yet, here stood evidence of Jesus Christ, the one whom they killed, and rose again from the dead. And lastly, you see the captain of the temple. That, that, that Roman political figure who allowed a Roman citizen to be hung on a tree, who allowed an innocent man to be hung. And they were greatly disturbed because they were preaching in Jesus the resurrection. And if word would have gotten out through Jerusalem, that Jesus Christ is the anointed, is the Messiah, and was crucified by the religious leaders of their day. Oh, their days would be numbered, wouldn't they? You know, not much has changed since they crucified Christ. Why did they crucify the Son of God? Well, they, they, they were worried about their position. They were worried about themselves, weren't they? They wanted the people to come and look at them. You know, wasn't Caiaphas, the high priest, who would turn to his peers, turn to those religious leaders around him and say, listen, we're in politics here. If you don't have a stomach for it, get out. Because it it, it is expedient, he says, for one man, that one man should die for the people. It is expedient that one man should die, that the status quo may be upheld. So we see that not much has changed. And let me pause there. Because I want to point something that's very important in this passage before I continue. Because this is the beginning of the early church. And to this point, they they have not had any opposition. But here we find the first opposition. And we also find the first separation. You may ask yourself, "What, what do we mean by that? Well, this is the first time that these New Testament believers, this early church sets themselves separate from Judaism. For we read the apostles themselves were going where? To the temple to pray. And and, and it was a decision that wasn't taken lightly. You know, it wasn't like the believers uh, believed in Jesus Christ and they they took off from Judaism. They they left the temple. No, quite, quite the contrary. It took some time. In fact, we read in Hebrews about how the heart of the Jew longs for the temple. The loyalty that there is for the temple of the Lord. But yet, here we see the first line drawn, the first separation. We see how the church begins to secede from the norm. From the norm, the religious norm. And it's important And you may ask yourself, why is that so important? Well, we have to take note of why they seceded from the the normal religious group. For if they did it in fanaticism, they would be viewed as nothing more than a religious anarchist, a radical group that, that just bucks the system. Brothers and sisters, there's been a lot of religious anarchists through the ages, hasn't it been? Many have ended in complete destruction of the testimony of God. But yet, I want you to take note because it is the fundamental truth of why they stood before the religious leaders of the day and outwardly denied their advice and rejected their counsel, and so we see that they arrested both John and Peter and the man that was healed, and they grabbed these three men and they threw them in the in, in the in the local temple jail, and they left them there overnight. For we read that the, the, the that the miracle was took place in the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon. And by the time all, all the commotions and the, and the crowds and the arresting was probably after 5 o'clock and they wanted to be home for dinner. So they waited till the next day. You know, one of the underlining themes in these books, which I, I I'm going to allude to but I'm not going to spend too much time to on, are the characters in this story. Particularly Peter and those religious leaders. For you see no more than 60 days ago from this event, the disciple Peter would be there at the gate of the temple warming himself around the fire and a young servant girl would challenge him as to his association or or affiliation to the Lord himself and he would deny him. Not once, not twice, but three times with oaths and curses. What is Peter going to do now? Is his coward heart going to creep out and deny the Lord again? Thank the Lord it didn't. And so we see that the Sanhedrin gathered together, Caiaphas, Annas, John, Alexander, and all the family of the high priest, the Sadducees, all gathered together in all its pomp and, gl- and glory. You imagine, it, it, it must be must have been an intimidating thing for Peter and John and this, this man that was healed to stand in the midst of all these great men, this, these religious experts of the day, The priest with his miter on his head. An expert in the law and the word of God. And they asked him one question. They asked him, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now at first you look at that question and you say, that's kind of a dumb question, isn't it? You know, I'm pretty sure they knew the answer to that question. You know, Peter himself said in the, previ- in the previous uh, chapter, he says, in verse 6, he says, By his name, who? Jesus Christ. Through, through the faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him has given, given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. But what I want to point out about the question is that the question separates the miracle from the authority in which the miracle was done. And that's what they were interested in, weren't they? They weren't necessarily interested about the miracle. They they had no problem with miracles. They had no problem with good deeds being done. That, That wasn't the problem. The problem they had, as we read earlier, was that it was done in the name of Jesus and his resurrection. And so they got to the point with the question. (laughs) Now, I imagine Peter was filled with the Spirit, but yet he was still man. I imagine he must have been shaken in his boots. For he stood in the same court in which his Lord stood. And they spared him not. He stood in the same place in which the Lord, the one who protected him. You know, when the Sadducees and Pharisees came and challenged the Lord, it wasn't the disciples who replied. It wasn't them in their intellect and wisdom which rebuked, rebuked the questions of the Pharisees and Sadducees. It was the Lord who did it. But now here stands Peter and John amidst the educated the titled men to answer the question <coughs> <coughs> under what name and what power And Peter being filled with the spirit gave an extremely profound answer. An answer that would leave the elders of Israel and the priest befuddled. They could not reply. They could not say anything. He gracious who addressed them, rulers of Israel. He says, if we're being judged for a good deed done, By what means it had been done. He says, I want you to know, those sitting on the bench, I want you to know, number one. And I want all of Israel to know that it was done in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Brother, the Spirit of God does not pull any punches, does He? He does not beat around the bush he does not sugarcoat it you know some may say what, what an arrogant thing to do what an arrogant thing to do to, to accuse the religious leaders of of his day of, of such a for, of such a blunder of, of missing or, or failing to recognize the, the coming of the messiah how could he do such a thing well, not not only does he accuse him, but he says, whom God, you, you killed him, you, you crucified him, but God saw it fit to what? Bring him back from the dead. You see, if Peter would have stopped there at that point, he would have seemed nothing more than a, than, than a raving fanatic. Just, just saying whatever comes to his mind, accusing people. Well, what is his accusation based upon? Thank the Lord, he, his accusation was based upon Scripture. For the Holy Spirit inspired him to, to quote there <clears throat> from Psalms 118. And he quotes there that verse, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief corner. You know, it, it's a Messianic Psalm. The Pharisees knew that. The Sadducees knew that. Here is this uneducated, untrained fisherman wielding the word of God skillfully. Posing evidence to his accusation. The one whom you the builders, he says. Who's the builders? Well, you are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders concerning what? The building of the temple. The building of a spiritual house. You rejected the chief corner. The corner which God chose. And you crucified Him. You know, brothers and sisters, He doesn't stop there. And it's a great thing that He doesn't stop there. For you see, these were learned men. These were... Pharisees and Sadducees, if, if they could have a diploma from Harvard Jew law in, in, in the background, they, they would. <coughs> Excuse me. They could have very easily danced around the allegation and said, well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. You're quoting from Psalms 118. Th- that's your interpretation of the psalm. Listen, you, you think that you could get to God through Jesus? <laughs> Well, that's that's okay. That's your opinion. We have Moses, the law, the prophets and the temple and the, and the, the sacrifices. You do it your way and we'll do it our way. But thank be to God that the Spirit of God would not end there. He wouldn't allow the Pharisees and Sadducees to even begin to develop the thought. For you, you know, that's the very same lie we hear today, don't we? You know, the world will say, it's okay, tell me about your good works. Tell me about your ph- your philanthropy. Tell me about your kind acts to society. That's wonderful. That's great. But don't tell me about Jesus Christ. Don't tell me, About his resurrection. We don't need that. Thank you brother. But we see. That the spirit of God inspired him. To close the door on that argument. He says. And turns to them. Nor is there. Salvation. In any other. For there is no other name. Under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. Why is that so significant? Well, these were learned men. These were men who knew the Old Testament. They even knew John the Baptist. John the Baptist declared to them, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. They would have known Jonah. And Jonah Jonah, Jonah quotes, Salvation is of who? The Lord. We could echo the words of Isaiah the prophet. And there is no other God besides me. A just God and Savior. There is none beside me. Look at me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. The Pharisees and Sadducees knew exactly what he was saying. Jesus Christ is, is not just some great prophet with, with good advice, like many would want you to believe. He wasn't just another good moral person, another Mother Teresa. No, but the truth which, brothers and sisters, we stand upon and we should never move from is that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. It is in Him in which we stand. And we could stand on no other. There is no other name under heaven. It's also very interesting, it says under heaven Brothers and sisters, you know, friend, if you're here this morning and you have not accepted the Lord as your personal Savior and have turned to Him and proclaimed Him as Lord in your life, the time to receive Him as Lord is today. It's not tomorrow. For salvation is of the Lord. Today is a day of salvation, we read. And if you think that you'll get to heaven and you'll you'll go up to those pearly gates and and you'll tell the Lord, Lord, I was a, a decent man or woman. I did right by most people. He will turn to you and say, what did you do with my son? For you see, the ability to accept His name is found under heaven in this realm. Once we go on to the next, it's too late. Brothers and sisters, we should glory in the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we echo those words of Philippians chapter 2. Where God the Father has given to him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So we see that these words left the Pharisees and the Sadducees completely befuddled. They could not re- re- rebut them. He, they could not debate them. He shut their mouths. And they were amazed at these uneducated, untrained men. Ah, oh, but they realized. They realized that these men had been with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I pray that that would be our testimony. That when the world looks upon you and me and see our actions and hear our words, they would say, how could this be? How could these average people have such peace about them? How could these people have such direction in their lives? How could they have such hope? And they could realize, oh, they have Jesus. May we we walk worthy of his name, saints. And so we see that they they could do nothing. They can't deny the miracle that had happened, for the man was standing before them. A man that they knew was standing before them. So they decided to threaten them not to use the name of Christ. In fact, they wouldn't even say His name. They wouldn't even utter His name. And after threatening Peter, Peter's response is almost comical to these, to these priests, to these Sadducees. He says to them, he says, you know, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to, to you, or to listen to God, you judge. Why is that? Why, why is that comical? Well, you see, these were the, the this was a high priest. These were the scribes. The, these were the keepers of the law. They were sitting upon a seat which God gave them to uphold the law of God. And if these men were to ever usurp or go away from the authority of God and the law of God, they no longer would have authority in their position. Yet we see these words fell on death ear, the and they continued. They continued to threaten them. And we read, <clears throat> it said they, were, they would further threaten them For they could not punish them. Well, why couldn't they punish them? Well, because of the people. Well, what do you mean the people? Well, the people were glorifying God. You know, it's kind of a difficult thing for a priest to get people to stop glorifying God. It just seems contrary, doesn't it? How can we punish somebody for encouraging and seeing the people of God worshiping Him and glorifying Him? The very purpose in which they were there for. It's ironic, isn't it? So they could not hurt them. They could not punish them. So they let them go. For they themselves were amazed that this man who was lame for 40 years. 40 years this man was like this. In a miracle they could not deny. Brothers and sisters, I'm out of time. But I hope this morning... I hope this morning you leave refreshed with the thought that we stand upon that rock, that chief cornerstone who is Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, God incarnate, the most basic and fundamental principle of Christianity. A principle which we cannot go away from. For Lord have mercy if we do. For in it stands our entire salvation. For in it we find grace, love and mercy. And without Him we have nothing but sin and hell. Let us pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we thank You, Lord, and praise You for Your anointed, for Your Son. Lord, we we echo with the psalmist, Lord, what is man that You visited him? Who is the Son of Man that You come and visit us, Lord? Lord, you loved us enough to send your Son to die upon a criminal's cross that we may be made sons, that we may be made right in your eyes, Lord. Father, we praise you and thank you for such a great salvation. Lord, I ask all these things in your Son's precious name the most beloved, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.